Hello, and welcome to Socially Savvy, broadcasting live from Canon de Soul here in Woodenville Wine Country. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, LB Duchess, and joining me today is co-host Dual Fisher from Team Photogenic and Nassine. Hello, LB. <laughs> it's been forever. Oh, my gosh. I'm just like... It's been a month or more. I know. Life just gets crazy, doesn't it? It's so crazy. You are you are like the busiest man on the planet. <laughs> I swear, with all of your that's events true, that's and, true. and yeah. everything else that you've got going on with uh, the Energize. Re-Energize by Re-ener- Design. Yep, the, the judging. And you'll well, have to that's give us all an over, but but we're still waiting for that little piece they did in my apartment for uh, for the lighting Ooh. makeover takeover, where they came in and redid all my lights with LEDs. Ooh, I want to see this. They reduced my wattage. By 80%. Wow. I'm waiting for the next bill to come in to see how much money I'm saving. Oh, that's fantastic. Because oh, I, I will wait. probably be in my 70s by the time those light bulbs burn out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, this is where technology gets really, really interesting and fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Well, you'll have to definitely let me know so I can post it on the Socially Savvy site so everybody can check it out because well, I'm sure. I posted some pictures on my Facebook page. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Pretty it's good cool. to have you here today. Thank you. Great to be here. Um, I believe Fancy is on her way. That was the last report that I heard. Uh, I understand 405 has been a disaster. The sun comes out and everybody either learns how to drive or doesn't know how to drive. And then it's raining and nobody knows how to drive. So I haven't figured out what weather we can drive in here. But Washingtonians don't know how to drive in any kind of weather. Doesn't okay, matter. well, that pretty much answered that and question. They don't want, and they don't want to let <laughs> someone yield in, at the on-ramp. At the on-ramp. Yeah, oh, God, I love that. Yeah. And then we also have our... Um, friend here, Nick from Canon de Soul, who is the manager of the tasting room here. Uh, and he is going to introduce us to our first tasting here in just a second. Um, feel free to join in the conversation by calling 323-843-6090. I notice we do have a caller, so I'm going to grab them as soon as I finish the introductions. Um, today's show is brought to you by Canon de Soul Winery, and we are chatting socially getting older, interviewing Nick Cruz of Canon de Soul, going over socially acceptable, unacceptable, socially savvy hints, and um, two huge uh, events that are coming up. I know that Dollar Per Month is going to be calling in to tell us about an event, as well as um, some of the people from Varsity who are going to be telling us about Proof, which is a distillery event that's going to be coming up this Saturday. So Ooh, fine. Um, before we taste our wine, let's find out who this caller is. Hello, this is Socially Savvy. You're calling in live from? Hello? Maybe they don't know that we're here. Hello? That's very strange. Okay, well, hopefully they'll call back. (laughs) One just never knows these days. Okay, so let's go on with my favorite part, which is um, starting the show off with a lovely glass of wine. Um, our first tasting today is a Canon de Sol. I believe it's a Viognier. So while we're sipping on this, do you mind telling us a little bit about this? Of course not. Thank you very much for uh, including Canyon de Sol in this broadcast. This evening we are starting on the only white varietal that we produce here at Canyon de Sol. It's 100% Viognier. This Viognier was aged in neutral oak barrels for around eight months. It's a very dry white. There's a lot of floral and fruit on the palate and not a lot of sweet characteristics, but it's a wonderful white wine for the summertime. Awesome. This is a 2010 vintage, and this particular vintage was sourced from Gamache Vineyards. All of our fruit comes from the Columbia Valley Appalachians. 
Wow. I, I, you know what I like so much about this is it's juicy. It's, it's one of those that you would, when you're feeling really thirsty and you want something that's succulent, that's, and that's typical of a Viognier. They have that. That term succulent comes into play when you're thinking about a Viognier. Most definitely. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we have two colors. Let's see if we can take any of them. Hello, this is LB Duchess with Socially Savvy. You're calling live from? Hello? Can you hear me? Hmm. This is interesting. Hmm. Well, hopefully they'll try back. And then the person who called right afterwards hung up. So <laughs> I think if you're listening in live and you're trying to call in, you just got to give us a couple of minutes to get a hold of you. If for some reason you can hear us but we can't hear you, uh, send us a message or hit us on chat so that I know what we might need to do to fix it. We might have a, a disconnect somewhere. We'll find out here in a second. Anyway, moving on with our show, um, Keller Curve Wine Glasses. If you love wine but are also counting calories or following a special dietary regimen, you'll appreciate Caloric Curve Calorie Counting Wine Glasses. They are made and hand-etched in the United States and are lead-free and dishwasher safe. So go ahead and indulge by the ounce. These wine glasses help measure consumption in two-ounce increments, which makes it easy to calculate caloric intake with every sip. It's also a handy companion for Weight Watchers smartphones and iPhone applications. Go to www.caloriccurve.com for more information. And don't forget to enter the code SAVVY15 for a 15% off discount. Nice. Gotta love it. Love those glasses. I do. They're very fun, <laughs> and they do help. Okay, we're going to try this one more time. Hello, this is Socially Savvy. You're calling in live. Hello. I hear somebody in the background, but I'm not here <laughs> hearing them all the way. Is there a volume control that you need? It sounds like a TV in the background <laughs> because it's like constant conversation, but they're not like, there's nobody talking to me. Maybe they think they're calling into Katie or Jeff Prost or something. Like I don't that. know. That's interesting. <laughs> mm. well, okay. Let's hope they call back. Let's hope they call back. All right. Socially savvy or unsavvy. This is a segment that we instigated. Um, I started last week after uh, listening to the news and, and watching social media. And there's always, I, I'm going to use the word unique and interesting things that come up. Um, <laughs> don't want to be rude, that come yes. up and uh, it it begs the question, is that savvy or unsavvy? And so this week uh, there was a posting of a picture that a woman put up. She had taken a picture. She was on a train, I believe, and there were some gentlemen sitting behind her that were talking out loud quite openly. You know, buses are not a bus, but a train is obviously a public thing. I think it was a, a train. It looked something like that. Anyway. Um, and they were talking about having affairs on their wives and bragging about it and talking about how stupid their wives were. <laughs> so this woman had an issue with having to listen to this conversation the entire time and proceeded to take a picture of the guy, one of them, and post it on Facebook. And so it begs the question, is that socially savvy or unsavvy of her to do it? Uh it's funny because the first two, this is the second one that I've done, and the first one, and The View has actually covered both of these, which I thought was hilarious, which means I, I know I'm on track with what we're talking about. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, my thought process, 
was a little bit different from theirs. But Duel, tell me what you think. Does she know these men? No. Or she just she overheard was, the conversation? She, oh, yeah. She had no, I mean, from the picture, it looked like she was maybe three or four seats up. So it's like they were not being quiet. They were obviously being boisterous and, you know, and, and colluding each other and, you know, high five. And, 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 and saying how stupid their wives are because they she, they didn't figure out that these guys were having an affair? Yeah, apparently. So they're not very bright because they're bragging about it in a public space. That's kind of my take. So I think, well, I think it's cool that she posted it. See, It'd I be can. cooler if she knew them so she could tag them and their wives so that they could find out. Well, let me just tell you that in three days, this hit 183,000 <laughs> hits. Impressions. So Did their wives find out. Um, we have not heard a report back on that. <laughs> oh, we should Google that. And find I out think if we they should have. totally Google that. Um, but to me, it just begs the question. There is a very fine line these days. You social media is everywhere. We have the ability to connect with people. Some of which we've met. A lot of which we've maybe only met socially once or twice, and sometimes simply over the social media. Right. And so our six degrees of separation have shortened quite a bit. Information can travel super, super quick. I mean, Instagram and, you know, True. taking photos and putting them on Facebook. You can do it anytime, anywhere. So is does it fall on um, you as an individual to watch what you say, or, do, or, or is it just rude and is it imposing on other people? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is that I think that, one – her taking the photo of them without their knowledge is wrong because being in a owning a photography business that's kind of illegal is, is it illegal now these men can sue her for posting a, a photo of them but they're out in public it doesn't matter they, they she, can't she, sue the paparazzi she, they're not a public figure if they're a public figure, then they're fair game. Oh, then it if falls under private, different rules. It, yes, it does. Oh. If, they're, if, if they're a public person, they're fair game. She photographed them without their knowledge. Oh, well, then I just would have recorded it. She, recording it, well, there's issues around that. But There's always issues. <laughs> you know, but, but, but I think, you know, she would if she had just said, hey, guys, click, she'd be fine. Oh, I don't know so, if she, I well, don't know if she notified them think, or not. Well, I think, you know, good for her that she did this. Hopefully those wives have found out yeah. and kicked them out. I just think, it, to me, it just, it, but yeah. totally unsavvy of them to no. brag about it. Well, it's totally un, unintelligent. <laughs> I mean, did somebody beat you with a stupid stick? Well, they probably <laughs> took their stupid pills that morning. Uh, yeah. Apparently, yeah. I, and then you know this is where this is why I asked that question. You know, who, who, where does the responsibility lie? Um, does it lie on the intelligent person who recognizes and wants to expose bad behavior to do the right thing and, and follow all kinds of rules, or you know, when do we start holding people accountable for their stupid actions? Why should well, everybody I, have I, to be quiet I, I when I you're being she, stupid? I think she had, you know, if she was annoyed at their conversation, she had every right to tell them to shut up. Yeah. As well. That's true. And if they were if she was that far away from them sitting down, then they were not they were being Obnoxious. socially unsavvy Un yeah, about completely their level of volume of they were talking. Nick, what do you think? Well, my personal <laughs> thing about the situation <laughs> is that individuals nowadays, in my personal opinion, they post 
things on Facebook and social media sites to stir up a reaction. Mm-hmm. Oh, most oh, definitely. Totally. Conversation. Most definitely. And uh, just, uh, you know, I mean, I wanted, I'm assuming that this lady just wanted to kind of stir up some uh, controversy on her on her Facebook page, and I'm sure there was, like you said, a lot of people liked the photo. And oh, yeah. There was, I'm sure, some deep conversation going into that particular photo. And I'm sure she probably had, you know, she's like, okay, you two jerks are going to get what you deserve. Yeah. You're going to cheat on your wife. You're going to get what you deserve. Yeah. See, there's such a, it's funny because there's such a fine line. You know, we, we talk about being socially savvy and, and socially savvy means making the people around you feel comfortable in a social setting. Well, we're talking about when you're going to events and, and attending, you know, dinner parties, going to dinner at a restaurant, you know, in a place where people are gathered together for the intention of enjoying each other's company. But when you're out in public and you're just doing your thing, you know, you're going to work, you're, you know, riding the bus, you're riding the train and, and something like this pops up, it's, it, it creates a, a whole different thought process because you're now it's based off your moral structure of of your feelings between what's right and wrong, um, your alignment with whatever religious structure you have, as to what you should and shouldn't say. You know, do you just have a deaf ear on it, or do do you stand up and and say, you know, I feel like in this country somebody needs to start standing up for what's right. It's it's a, it's a tricky one. It, it'll be interesting. So if you're listening and you have any input, absolutely would love it, love it if you uh, went to our Facebook post, Socially Savvy, and, and let us know what you think. We have a couple more callers, so we are going to attempt to take the calls. Hello, this is LB Duchess with Socially Savvy. You're calling in live from... Okay, now I know it's our equipment. I know it's got to be our equipment. I'm going to check and see if I can get something to go here. Um, hopefully, I won't blow anybody's ears out. Are you there? Can you hear us? Um, this is so interesting. I absolutely love my life some days. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, if you are people who are calling in that were scheduled to call in for the show and you can hear us, I'm going to go to my Facebook page and post my phone so that you can call in on my phone and we can answer your questions because this is bizarre. So call me back. I'm going to end that one. I'm going to try one more time. Hello, this is Socially Savvy. This is LB. Can you hear us and respond? And that would be a no. (laughs) Well, they can always go on our Facebook page, right? Yes, they can go on our Facebook page. Um, if you're a listener, you can go on our Facebook page and send in the, the listens. Um, or if you are one of our callers, I'm going to give you my phone number, and we will have you call into my cell phone, and then I'll put it up to the mic. So uh, doing that right now. Technical. Got to love it. Got to love it. Okay. So now that I've got the work done almost. There's only so many things one can do, so sorry for the... The mumbling well, in the back. I think this uh, wine is just delicious. It is. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm totally into I'm the wine. I'm liking it a lot. And we get to try. We get to try three other wines tonight, and I, they are predominantly reds, which I absolutely adore. So. Well, I'm a white. Mm. I love my white. That is absolutely delicious. Okay. So I've sent off the information. Hopefully they will call, and when they do, I will have my phone, and we will be able to take those calls via the cell phone. Since how. Everything else is not working properly. I have to tell you, uh, technology has been a bit of a um, trifling of late. 
There's all yeah. this great tr technology, and then trying to get it to work in different category, different areas has been interesting. You had that groovy microphone set up the last time we met. Yeah, that we worked so well. <laughs> Not. Oh, here we go. Here's one of our callers. Just one moment. This is LB Duchess with Socially Savvy. Okay, can you say that again? This is Sarah with Dollar Per Month. Perfect. Okay, we can finally hear you. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing better now that we have figured out a rigging to be able to get calls in. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know I'm calling the right number. <laughs> There's something wacky with our with our call-in system, so we're going to be playing around figuring that out next time. But um, So you're with Dollar Per Month. Tell us a little bit about um, what that organization is and, and how it was founded and... Um, and so on. Okay, so Dollar Per Month was um, created so that people could be reminded on a regular basis that we actually do have the ability to better the world. And it was created with the mindset that by making conscious decisions to live more for other people, um, we can not only offer our financial assistance, but our assistance through our daily actions and awareness as well. A lot of charities um, experience issues with continual giving because people get donor fatigue or they lose interest or, you know, they donate once and they think, okay, I've already done my part. But Dollar Per Month was created to address this issue and make giving fun and interactive with its users. And basically how it works is each month Dollar Per Month hosts three new charities that are pre-screened so that the absolute best and the most effective charities are chosen um, so that we can support them in their particular causes. And this makes it easy for Dollar Per Month members to support the organization because we've already gone through the process of analyzing their financial responsibility with their own donor contributions. Because that's the problem that a lot of donors have is that they want to donate to charities, but they don't have the time to go through and screen everybody. They don't know who are the most effective and who have um, the highest money that they actually donate based off the percentage of the donor contribution. So Dollar Per Month that a lot easier. And so members um, become members online and they choose how much they want to donate each month and then they look about each organization, they watch videos, they do pictures, and then they both to the charity that they would most like to see get that month's pool donation. And so at the end of each month, three checks are given based off of um, a 50%, 30%, and 20% voting percentage that no charity ever loses. And then ultimately, we reward the best of the best nonprofits um, through our financial support, through um, getting the community aware, and in doing so, um, we make it fun, easy, and interactive, and we highlight the fact that, you know, giving actually feels good, and it's, you're doing good as well, so it's definitely, you know, a win-win situation for both parties. Well, that that's absolutely awesome. I know that um, one of the people who founded this is a local, and we're, I kept trying to get him to call in on another phone so that we could um, pull him into the conversation. Doug, uh, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about him? Yeah, so Doug Hamas is created, like you said, by Doug Clergett, um, and he also created it with his cousin, Jason Clergett. And Doug came from a pretty rough past. Um, he had a lot of abuses that happened as a child, a lot of things that he went through that led him to a point in his life where he kind of came to the realization that, you know, I can either be bitter about this situation 
or I can decide that I want to change things. And ultimately, he decided he wanted to change things, and he wanted to change issues that he saw in the world so that other people didn't have to experience what he did. Um, that's basically a synopsis of his story. If he was here, I'm sure he could tell it a little bit better than me. I know we've been trying to get him to get in. Oh, my gosh, everybody is trying to call in. Of course, everybody starts trying to call in when uh, our system is down. It's just crazy. Well, thank you so much for calling in and give us a little bit of information. I'm going to hopefully get Doug in on my phone to give us a little bit of an update and um, uh, let our listeners know about a little bit more about what's going on. Um, where can they find your information? Okay, so all you have to do, um, you just have to go online to dollar per month, exactly how it sounds, um, .org, and all the information is on the website, very interactive, it's really easy to figure out what to do and how to become a part of it, and we also have updates, we currently have an event um, that we're planning for the fall, and the details are a surprise, but it's going to be a really big party that no one will want to miss, so the details will eventually be on the website about that as well. That's awesome. Thank you so much for calling in today, and we look forward to finding out more about your event. We'll go to your page. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much for having us. Okay, so yes, I can be smarter than technology, but sometimes I can't be smart enough. I can't take more than one. Well, I gotta, I'm going to comment because I know Doug. Oh, He's yes. a great guy. He's he, fantastic. He was one of our shoe guys at the Wine, Women, and Shoes. Oh, he was awesome. A month ago? Yes. Yeah. He's a great guy. I absolutely adore him. And I love that he, you know, having been on The Bachelor, I love that he took the time to um, be a part of something after that. So, in other words, he didn't just, you know, go in and, and do this Bachelor thing. Right. He, he turned it into, you know, this was an experience that I had, and he's turned it into something more. Right. So. And he's doing a good thing. He's doing fabulous things. Dollar Per Month is a great organization. It really is. Okay, we're going to try to take one more caller because I just changed something else on my settings. This is LB Duchess. You're calling into the Socially Savvy. And I hear nothing. You know, I have to wonder if it's my system or if it's theirs because I don't think we've changed anything of late in how this goes. Um, it's just so very strange. I may try to do one more thing. So, listener, if you're on there, hold on a second. I'm going to pull in and, and try to change one more on the output and make it so that it's internal speakers. This is LB Duchess with Socially Savvy. Can you hear me and respond? Caller? Yeah, no. Okay. Um, if you are one of our callers who is scheduled to, to call in, please go ahead and go to the um, Facebook messages. It'll have my phone number so you can give me a call directly and we can get you on air that way. Okay, we're going to move on with our program. Otherwise, okay. we could sit here. It would be really boring for all of our listeners to have to listen to us uh, just keep going on and trying to answer. Answer <laughs> <laughs> the phone that way. Well, Nick's going to bring over another tasting for us, isn't he? Yes, Pretty he is. Here? I'm very excited because we've got to try all all four of his wines. <laughs> <laughs> right about now, I could use all four of his wines. <laughs> Um, we're going to talk about one of our other sponsors, Chocolate Shop Wine, purveyor of all things chocolate, has six different flavors to choose from. Um, chocolate red wine, cream de cocoa, chocolate strawberry, chocolate mint, almond roca, sparkling chocolate red wine. Go to chocolateshopwine.com to find them. I absolutely yeah. love their um, – they're such a fun and they've been such a fantastic sponsor of us from the get-go. And that's one of the things I love about the wine industry is because it is such a huge part of being social. 
It is. They're very, very supportive. Great, great organization. I'm going to rave about how, how I love these I'm actually pouring here. wine. I can't even it's believe I'm doing this. It's Canada so sad. Yeah, They're wine you. glasses oh. created with the light in the middle. It's very cool. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it's a cool look here in the tasting room. Um, we get a lot of compliments on that. I haven't honestly uh, seen any chandelier like this elsewhere. And you're just able to put in your own wine glasses so you can change the look. And especially at night, the reflection of the glasses on the walls is uh, wonderful. I bet. Did you guys make those yourself? Oh, we actually picked those up on uh, Amazon.com when we opened the tasting room in uh, 2009, and I can't find them anymore. Really? People are always asking where I purchased them, and I wow. can't find them. And I've done a lot They're of beautiful. wine events, and I've never seen anything like that. That's very cool. They are it's absolutely awesome. Very unique. Huh. Which is fun. I, you know, you, one of the first things I came in with my husband the other day, he's like, oh, those are really cool. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those, do you, do you just store your wine glasses and then... How awkward would that be taking them off of the chandelier? <laughs> well, you know, if you run out of glasses, there they are. There they That's are. Socially savvy to just grab a new glass. That would make a great <laughs> party presentation. I just might, might add there. Nick would be like, "Hey, no, don't get yeah, up on a chair and do that. Don't, no. don't touch my glasses." <laughs> so tell us about the second one. So we are moving on to our first red in our portfolio. This is our 2007 Merlot. This is 100% Merlot here. It was sourced from two separate vineyards, so Gamache, Steelwater, and West Hills. And all of our red wines have pretty much the same barrel regimen, so it's about 20 to 24 months in neutral oak. Wow. Okay. Everybody's sniffing and swirling. Sniff, swirl, and sip. Smells good. Oh, it does. It smells delicious. Yeah, I feel like our Merlot is a little bit different than most. Mm in that there's not a big tannin structure. So the finish on our Merlot is very velvety, velvety smooth. You know, okay. There's not, a, there's not a bite on the thing. I remember trying this the last time I was in, and um, it was I was really excited because I'm not typically a big Merlot fan anymore, and uh, this has made me a fan again. This is good. Oh, this I think really I've good. got my collar just a second. Go ahead and taste it. I'm going to answer. <laughs> oh, I'm tasting. Awesome. Hey, give me just half a second. I'm going to put you on air. Okay, so tell us again who you are, caller. Uh, my name is Ellen Kendall, and I work for uh, Barnes Communications as an event producer. And right now I am managing Proof Washington, the Washington Distillers Festival, coming up this Saturday. I am super excited about this. I know um, Dick Stevens had told me about this. I've worked with him in the past on the Taste of um, Washington, and he does a lot of amazing events with golf and all this. This is the first distillery event that I had seen, so I am super excited to hear about this. Tell us a little bit about what um, our listeners can expect and where they can get tickets. Well, uh, basically what they can expect is Proof is, is an opportunity to give lovers of craftsmen the chance to actually meet the people that are putting the state of Washington on the map, really, um, in the spirits industry. Um, Going to give them the chance to interact with uh, these guys and um, learn about uh, the cutting edge industry of being a liquor artisan. Um, people can go to our, our website at uh, www.proofwashington.org to get tickets. Uh, tickets are on sale 
um, the tickets on sale and you can get tickets there. Uh, the, the six to nine session is sold out. So right now we're selling the one to four session. And I would encourage people to get their tickets because they're snapping up pretty fast. Well, I think a lot of people don't realize that spirits and um, local crafts have become quite the interesting little topic. I know I went on a tour with local craft tours this last weekend, and I was amazed at, at how many local spirit companies there are out there producing fantastic, fantastic drinks. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it's actually really incredible. I mean, there's going to be 40 of them here at Proof this coming Saturday, but there's... I think there are something like 75 in the Pacific Northwest, including Oregon. Wow. Well, I'm super excited to to, to check this out. I know we're going to try to swing by and cover it with Socially Savvy. Um, we do have it up on our posting, so people can click and go straight to the website to buy tickets. And uh, hopefully we'll see everybody there. Fantastic. Thanks so much for taking the time to call in and let us know about it. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm excited for that one. That one is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, And like I said. All in moderation, though. Oh, yes. Well, and and the interesting thing when you're doing tastings of those, a lot of people, it's a lot different than a wine tasting um, in regards to the proportions that they give you because you're you're taking, you know, you guys usually do what, two-ounce pours for tasting? One to two? And when you're tasting spirits, you're a fraction of that or you're going to be on your face in a matter of minutes, let uh, me tell you. Because yeah. a lot of these local crafts, they, they have a really high alcohol content because of the way they're producing it. Right. And um, so it's we're going to chat about that here in just a little bit. I actually have, we went on the, the tour and I have a little mini audio clip that we're going to play from that tour. So it gives you oh, a little fun. bit of background about the tour and uh, what makes it so fun and special. Uh so while we have Nick here, since we've tasted our second wine, tell us a little bit about Canada Soul Winery and how you guys got started. I know you guys have been here for a while. I felt like a fool because I've walked by a million times. Like, I swear it's been a million. Um, and just for whatever reason, hadn't walked into this fantastic little gem. And you guys do some really fun and different things. So tell our listeners about that. Yes, most definitely. So Canyon de Soul was established in 1999. It's a family business, so my father, Victor Cruz, is the winemaker. And when we started the winery in 1999, he was the first Latino winery owner in Washington State and one of only two in the country at the time. Wow. The Latino community has supported us from the get-go. It's been a wonderful relationship. Uh, we opened our tasting up here in Woodenville, our tasting room in Woodenville in 2009. And we were actually the first tasting room in our complex. So we kind of uh, paved the road out here in our general area. When we opened up shop, we were about the 35th tasting room in Woodenville. And the latest count, there's well over 100 tasting rooms. Wow. <laughs> well, I know in covering Passport, it took me two days, and I didn't even hit everything on Passport. I think there's only 40 or, 40 or 45 of you guys who participate in Passport. And I tried to come in here. Wow. I, couldn't, I couldn't get in the door. Wow. It's uh, it's amazing. (laughs) It's hard to keep up with the growth out here. And, you know, it's just a a wonderful thing for Woodenville. It's uh, turning into a tourist destination, and people are flying in from out of state not to visit Seattle, not to visit Bellevue. They're flying in specifically to come out and visit Woodenville. Yes, which makes me happy. Yeah, there's now tourist tourist signs as I drove out here. 
getting Same. lost. <laughs> there were signs that said tourist, or is it tourist activities or something, or tourist district. Tourist district, district, district. And I'm like, well, that's new. That's kind of cool. Well, I know Washington has been working um, for the last couple of years on trying to get the awareness up for the tourism that wine, that our wine country here, Yakima, over in Prosser, that they all provide. So. It's it's fun to be, you know, on the cutting edge of what's happening in the world when it comes to wine. And it is, we are global. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been doing a lot of wine events for the last, uh, you know, 13 years that Team Jennings has been around. We'll be doing the auction of Washington wines coming up here in August. I know. I've got that on my calendar. Yes. I'm so and excited for that. I think I've met your father at these events before, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah at one point, you know, we were doing a lot of functions. Um, you know, in recent years, my dad is pulled out of the whole competition aspect mm -hmm. of, um, you know, the wine industry. And, you know, it's just become extremely political, extremely biased over the years. And so uh, his statement is he likes to go against the grain. <laughs> okay. i got to say I love that. <laughs> Good that is for fantastic Good against for the him. grain. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that you guys do that are very unique to your tasting room. Um, let us know about those. Yeah. So there's a lot of live acoustic music out here in Woodenville, and we wanted to somewhat step outside of the box. So every Friday night, starting at 7 o'clock here at our tasting room in Woodenville, we have a live DJ. So we have a rotation of about eight different DJs that come in, and we stay open a lot later than most of the tasting rooms out in our area, so we're usually... Uh, Pouring wine and listening to music till about 10 or 11 on Friday nights. See, that's so awesome. Yeah, and, <laughs> Very know, uh, cool, yeah. Something different, like I said. You know, everybody has, you know, guitar, guitarists and uh, singers at the tasting room, and we just wanted to do something a little bit different. And then also, every Sunday here at the tasting room, we have a Strut Your Mutt, which is all day long. <laughs> it's 12 to 7. It's <laughs> just a neat opportunity for uh, people to be able to bring out their other half of the family, their dogs. Well, and it's, it's great, too, because you guys have a fantastic seating area outside. So, um, like, one of our listeners and uh, co-host, Jason, brought his very large dog. Very large. Very large dog. Very large. Um, and it's, you know, so you, you can have a large dog and bring it with you, and there's there's comfortable seating out there for, to be able to enjoy the wine, be able to enjoy your pet. and. Yes, we have plenty of room. You know, uh, we have a wonderful patio space in front of the tasting room. Um, a lot of the tasting rooms do not have patio spaces, so especially with summer here, you know, it's a great area to be able to sit outside, enjoy the sun, and uh, bring your animals. Well, and I took some uh, panoramic pictures that I'm going to be uploading here shortly, so if you're a socially savvy listener, you'll be able to um, catch a glimpse of those and, and check out just how great this little little place is, this little gem. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing your tasting room with us, and um, I believe we've got another tasting coming up here. So while you grab that, I'm going to go on to the next topic. <laughs> I see you finished yours already, LB. Well, because I was smart. <laughs> I know. It was like, I don't want to run out of time. I want to be able to taste all of the four of them on air. Mm. Okay, so Skin Savvy. Um, this segment is sponsored by The Art of Shaving, an innovative path to the perfect shave experience. Each step is expertly crafted to achieve optimal shaving results. You can find them at www.theartofshaving.com or at a Nordstrom's near you. So today on Skin Savvy, we're going to touch base on sunscreen versus sunblock. <laughs> we are actually in that season, like well into that season. And I have a lot of people who are always asking, what's the difference? 
And um, I found this fab information on Family Health and Nutrition, their website. So what they say is sunblock contains physical or inorganic ingredients that reflect and scatter the UVB light and acts as a wall between your skin and the sun. You want to look for ingredients like titanium dioxide or zinc oxide as the main ingredient. Note, sunblocks do not protect against UVA rays. This is something that a lot of people don't quite grasp. And so when we go into the sunscreen, it'll explain a little bit better. This may be a better choice for your family if you have anyone with sensitive skin, since titanium dioxide and zinc oxide are less irritating than parasol 19, or 1789 found in sunscreen. Um, because most brands of lotion are a combination of both sunblock and sunscreen, you're probably going to have some UVA and UVB. And from what I understand now, this was this was written beforehand, um, the government has made it so that if you're going to state any kind of SPF, you have to be a broad spectrum, which means you have to have both UVA and UVB coverage. So with that, sunscreen contains chemicals that protect your skin by absorbing and reflecting UV rays and allow a certain range of UV light to be absorbed into the skin. You're looking for parasol 19, or 1789 in many of today's sunscreen brands. It helps protect against the UVA rays as well as the UVB. So you're going to get a more complete uh, protection. We have a question. Okay. Does moisturizer counteract against sunscreen? No. Moisturizer does not necessarily counteract against sunscreen. The reason that a lot of moisturizers do not carry sunscreen in them is because of the sensitivities it can cause. Um, and or if it is a moisturizer product that has a lot of um, restoring and repairing, mm-hmm. like it's going after fine lines and wrinkles, it's going after um, firmness, a lot of times you can find ingredients that don't quite um, mesh. They don't synchronize very well. So they will take the productivity of the anti-aging and actually decrease it or decrease the sunscreen ability. So um, one of the best recommendations is to put on whatever moisturizer you're putting on. And if you're going to be out in a sunny area, put on a sunscreen over the top. Can you use both? Most definitely you can use both. Um, you could, well, let's just let's just cover the full spectrum of what you could do. People cleanse, tone, moisturize. If your moisturizer has a sunscreen in it, if your tinted moisturizer has a sunscreen in it, if your foundation has a sunscreen in it, and if you cover with sunscreen, you are fine. The thing to remember when it comes to sunscreen or sunblock or what, right. Right. is that if you have a 10 on your moisturizer, a 15 on your foundation, and you're covering it with a 35 sunblock, you can't add those up. <laughs> The really, most, you can't get sick. Yeah, or you can't. So no, the, the, the highest amount of sunscreen on whatever the highest product is is going to give you that protection. So let's say if you have the 10, the 15, and the 35, your sunblock would be at a 35. Right. Well, I'll tell you what I found in Palm Springs this last March when I went down there. Uh-huh. I found a moisturizer with the sunscreen, and it was different colors, so you could see actually in by a banana boat. Ah. It, it was a 30. It only went up to a 30. I usually get a 50. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know several but, brands that now with the new UVA, UVB regulations that have been able to go up to as much as a 50 and be very, very effective. Uh, I usually do 50 just because I tend to burn first and then tan. <laughs> and, and I don't want to do that because it's painful. Oh, well, that's just not and pretty. Then it, and then you, know, you only got a week. So Yeah. So 
But uh, yeah. Awesome. Look Thank for you it. for the really question. Great. That was a it great question. In, it goes in a lot faster. Yes. It absorbs under your skin a lot faster. It does. And it, it does last longer. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But here in the Northwest, we should use a sunscreen all, all the, the time. time. And the reason is, is just because we have clouds does not mean that you don't have UVA and UVB filtering through the clouds. And they've actually proven that some people can get more damage in a high cloudy area because they're not protecting their skin and because the, the way that the clouds filter or don't filter right, right. can cause more intensity. Right. So, and, yes. and we sell more sunglasses here in the Northwest than anywhere else. Sunglasses and umbrellas. There you go, <laughs> folks. Actually, not the umbrellas. Really? Sunglasses. Well, no, I'm just saying that we sell a lot of umbrellas, so. I'm anyway, what do you, you had to say, Nick? I love that, Nick. more sunglasses. Well, I was just uh, curious on what exactly the SPF was uh, representing. So SPF represents, Good so let's question. say it's one, let's say it's an SPF of 15. SPF is the number that you multiply the minutes that you can normally sit in the sun before you start to burn. So the average Caucasian... I believe, is about seven to eight minutes that they can sit in the sun. And I can't say cockshit, I mean white, white. Um, the average American, from what I understand, or at least what the industry does, is 10 minutes. So typically, if you're not super, super light, you can take your sunscreen, multiply whatever it is, if it's a 35 block, by 10. Now that's 350 minutes. That's how long you can sit in the sun before you start to burn. Now, here's the catch. It needs to go on 20 minutes before you go outside so it can be absorbed and set. And when you go to reapply, you need to give yourself that buffer time to be able to reproduce that that um, protection between you and the environment. And try and find the waterproof. And, and try to find the waterproof. And the sweatproof. Too. One of the things that they did recommend was once you've reached that 350, because a lot of chemistry won't allow for a repeat within 24 hours, interestingly enough, you, that's why some people say, well, I just kept putting my sunscreen on. It didn't do anything. Because after that 350 minutes, your body is done. So if you're going to be out on a boat or out in the heavy sunshine or you're going to Mexico or something, that's why they suggest going with your full-spectrum 50 blocks so that you get a maximum amount of time. And then you just need to pull yourself out of the sun. So, well, Don't they have up to 70 now? I don't know. I haven't seen that one I yet. I saw 70 down there. I think 55. Brand. I saw 70. Or kids have even higher. So you can even get the kids. That's kids crazy. Well, it's We're going to be able to walk on the sun here shortly. <laughs> I, well, I love okay, tanning. I love tanning. So do I. I love the sun. And, and, You're you just know, not going to get me out of the sun. And there's nothing gonna worse happen. for your skin than to be tanning. In the sun, yes. Because that ages you very quickly. Now, here are a couple other little notes. We're going to wrap this up. Um, most lotion is a combination of both sunblock and sunscreen, so read the ingredients carefully if you need a pure sunblock. Also, be sure to look for sunblock or sunscreen that does not contain vitamin A and its derivatives, retinol and retinol something or other, which I'm not going to try to say, as this may speed up the cancer that sunscreen is used to prevent. So some cheaper sunscreens will add in other things and not have not been regulated properly. So be aware. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, we have 16 minutes. So, we're going to have um, Nick tell us about this fantastic wine in front of us, and then we are going to hit our main topic, socially heavy getting older. All right. So <laughs> the uh, next red that I poured is our 2009 Syrah. This is 100% Syrah. It was sourced from West Hill Vineyards in the Mattawa area. And our Syrah is what really put us on the map in the beginning. Um, the first few vintages of our wines, um, our Syrah, 
was very successful in wine competitions up here in the Northwest, and it's uh, really what put the Kenyon de Sul name on the map here in Washington State. So it's a very popular wine of ours, and, you know, I want to say um, probably my favorite. It's it's yum. I, I'm amazed that I have only, I think, in all of our wine tasting and all of our shows, I think there's only two wines that I have not liked. So it's always encouraging when I get to taste all these fantastic wines. I think part of it is it's, it's hard not to have a fantastic wine uh, with the heart and soul you guys put into it. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. I believe we're going to have one more tasting, but let's jump into our topic here. Topic of. Topic of. <laughs> this is what's interesting. Okay. Savvy, Savvy getting, getting older, older socially. socially. Wow, we did that in unison. That was we great. Did. We're very good at this. <laughs> As we get older, we hear whispers about what we should and should not be wearing, doing, saying, and so on. Today, we're going to dispel some of those myths. So here is our socially savvy take on getting older. It Um, sucks. It sucks. It is a fact. We do get older. It does suck. Um, But I think as far as the myths, you know, I have people come over to me all the time and go, oh, well, you know, you're over 40 or you're over 50 or, you know, you shouldn't be dressing like that or you shouldn't be going to those venues or, you know, don't you think you should be doing this? We have a lot of opinions, let me just tell you. And what I have found watching people socialize of all different ages and demographics that it's 99% about your attitude. I would say that and maturity. Yes. I mean, in your mind. You've got to know. Not your age. Yes. Exactly. What it says on your birth certificate is different from what's in your mind. Well, and I think a lot of people have a preconceived notion. Okay, when you turn 60, you're supposed to be in a rocking chair knitting. No, uh, no, no. If no, that's no. where you want to be, that's fine. And Maybe 200 years ago. Yeah, well, one would think. But the average lifespan then wasn't, wasn't what it is, what 74 it is today. years old, yeah. So um, well, a lot of it. It's up to 90s now. It is it? Well, I know in high school they talked about it, uh, our generation living to be 125 years old. Oh, that's too long. <laughs> Well, it's only too long if you can't function. You know, my thought yeah, process is as long as I can function, I'm good. Not able to change it myself. I'd rather, you know, if I, <laughs> if I can still function properly without help, then I think, you know, that would be okay. But I can't see myself needing that kind of help. That's too funny. <laughs> but... Well, some other things, you know, if you're going to go in. So I went out with some friends. Um, we were in a nightclub, and I am 43. And they were almost 20 years older than I am. Um, what I noticed was they fit in just fine because they knew how to act. And those are some of the things we're going to talk about. Um, always dress appropriately. Correct. Consider the event, your body type, the demographic of people there, and make sure your participation does not stop anyone else from enjoying the event. Um, for instance, you know, if you are of an age where you are enjoying a certain atmosphere, um, make sure that whatever things are happening with your age and that slowing you down doesn't slow other people down. Don't get in the way of of what's going on. Um, I've had people come in before into a nightclub and, you know, they're older and you'll hear the comment, oh, it's just too loud in here. Okay. <laughs> It's not too loud because apparently everybody else is there and they're enjoying whatever is going on. If it's too, too loud for you, you have two choices. You can leave. You can leave or, or you can shut your, up and burn. Or, or, or turn down, down your, your hearing, hearing aid. aid. 
Okay, we are wicked bad. We are wicked bad. There's something really wrong with us. I love that, though. Um, well, but, you know, you have to look at it. If they're going to complain about the noise and they're going to a nightclub, yeah, they shouldn't be going in the first place. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, is if you are complaining about something, then um, you're too old. And the marker is <laughs> that it's time for you to leave. Well, yes, but, the, you know, if they – yes, you're right. If they're – if they're in an environment where it's it's catered to younger people, then they're in the then they're in the wrong environment. If they can't keep up, now if you can keep up, I've noticed that nobody cares. There, well, there's always going to be some people who have something to say. I've heard people say over time like uh, things like you have this sexy, hot little 65 year old woman. She's absolutely adorable. She's got the figure of when she was 20. Right. You know, and she's wearing leather pants. And I'll hear people go, oh, that's just. That she just has no business wearing those. That's a, that's a load of crap. It is. If she looks great in it, and she did, and she she, she has fantastic. the body and knows how to use her and she body to, or, to and the playful. advantage of the public. Yep. You know exactly. If she's fifty pounds overweight, yeah, no, and that's, tries that's to act no. like that. Yeah, no. And thinking she's twenty yeah. five, no. That ain't going to work. So, so, and again, you know, that goes back to the whole topic of knowing what your body type is. Um, I, and knowing what looks best, what looks best on your, on your body, body type. Because um, you can still be 25 pounds overweight and still look hot. Yes. It's, it's what you It's, it's like about how, how you dress. dress. It. Yes. And, and accent. And, and let me just positive. put the hint out there that camo pants, <laughs> if you are. The camel toe. If you oh. are. No, camel. Like camel. Like camo. Camo. Camouflage. Oh, camo. Oh, camouflage oh, pants. They, they wear those? If you are wearing camouflage pants and you are above a size 16, they are not camouflaging a blessed thing. <laughs> so my advice to you. And skinny jeans in size 24 don't work either. No, they don't. So understanding what works on your body and what does not, especially if you don't want to be judged. And well, and then there's the men, too. Let's, yes. Let's, let's go back to the men. Men should also know what their body type is. If they have a nice belly, mm-hmm. there are things they can do that, you know, like don't tuck in your shirt and wear a white belt. Oh, wow. A white. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> is, is the visual there, too? Yes, unfortunately yeah. it is. <laughs> and and we all, we've all seen those people out there, and, and we just wish, why didn't someone tell them before they left the house not to wear that? Well, and that's another thing is if, if you have a question, uh, you know, maybe you don't have a neighbor close by. If you have a, a smartphone, take a picture, send it to a friend and go, does this work? Can I tell you how many times I've done that? I've taken pictures like I think I sent it to you and Amy one time and I was talking about this really fun shirt that I had. No, it was Stacy and Amy. We were getting ready to do a show together and it's this fantastic shirt. Sure, but right. you were going to be filming the show, right? And they both came back because I was like, "Oh, it's really cool, but is it going to be too much?" And they both come back too busy. You're going to be videotaped. That is just way right. too busy. Right. So find those people. I mean, your friends are going to be honest with you, and they're probably going to love being your honest with you. Your closest are friends are going to be honest. Yeah. With you. Your, your other your ones. New friends are not going to be because no, they're not going to be so helpful. Yep. <laughs> Don't do something to prove something. Good point. I one of the, my biggest frustrations is when somebody who is getting on in their years, who maybe isn't as established in a social atmosphere, comes out with the attitude that I'm going to prove that I can do it too. You know what? You're not doing anybody any favors. You're not doing anything for yourself. You're not doing anything for the social atmosphere. You're not doing anything for the people who are there with you. 
Because you're coming in with the chip on your shoulder. Well, yes. So, and, and there's a psychological issue that needs to be dealt with in another level. But, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, the competitiveness, and I think we all have a little competitiveness when we go out, is, you know, we want to look our best. Oh, yeah. We, we're, you know. Well, that's what keeps people dressing nice, is that little competitive edge. God. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> but, you know, I'm about to be 51, and there are times when that's I look fantastic. at. fantastic. Well, <laughs> Thank you. But there's still that psychological effect of, I'm oh, yeah. 51. Oh, yeah. And that's hard to take sometimes when I look at what I like to still wear. Right. And and granted, I, I'm not out at, at the clubs five nights a week like I was 30 years ago. Right. But I am, in a, in a sense now, because I'm working at events. You're out of, yeah, at events all the time. So I'm not out time. having party time. I'm out working. Yeah. And there are times when I will say, oh, that's too loud. That's just too much. But yeah. it is usually not just me that's saying that. Exactly. But it's usually not a disco or... It's not a not, themed you, event. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's, not a, it's not a club. It's, it's, it's an event. And, right. You know. And there usually is attire, you know, guidelines for those events, which will help you a lot if you listen. Well, yeah. And learn. But there are some, some people that don't always take that to heart. You need to educate yourself. That's the other thing, people. Um, and then finally, don't judge, and you will find you probably won't be judged. People who go into these um, uh, scenarios, again, um, if they go in and they start judging the people, how they're dressed around, again, if you're going to go into a nightclub, there's going to be a lot of girls with their dresses all the way up to their hooch and their hot showing. I mean, they're there to dress a certain way. As long as it looks good. And, and a lot of these girls can get away with it. The thing that I find so funny is people of a certain age will come in and instead of, you know, complimenting, say, wow, you know, you look fantastic, they're all like, she looks like a hoe. What are you doing judging? You're in somebody else's environment. If you want to be a part of it, if you're going to go into that environment. They're just jealous because they don't look totally that jealous. good. They're totally jealous. They're totally jealous. They don't jealous. look that good. They probably never did. <laughs> okay, yeah, that was not socially acceptable. I did just say that. Um, no. But so, we know that's what people think. We know, yeah. And there comes a point where you have to be honest about it and, and recognize you're going to go into these. <laughs> Nick's over here like, oh, my God. Nick's got something let's get, to say. Let's get him something let's to say about this. How old are you, Nick? I am 27. Oh, good so God. He's, he's a baby. Right? <laughs> so, do you go out to clubs? I, I go out. Yeah. yeah. Not and as much as I used to, I will say. But when you do go out, do you see inappropriate behavior from men and women that are beyond what the age is at the club? I mean, do you see you that now? I see a little bit of that. I mean, that's always, you know, it's always there. I mean, uh... You know, I mean, people just enjoy having a good time regardless of age. And, you know, some That's people part I love. are uh, just at a different maturity level than others. And Never did mature. And that you right. know, they can hang with the young bucks. Well, and, it, you know, well, some can. can. Yeah. Some can, but exactly. there's others that are, you know, the, the 50-year-olds. Because sometimes when I do go out, I'll see people that I knew oh, yeah. 25, 30 years ago. Still doing the same thing, and you know what? They look 70 years old now. Well, and that's the other thing, you know, to, to wrap it up real quick, is if you, you know, uh, and I'm going to say from my standpoint, I am 43 years old. I don't have a problem with people asking me my age because I know that I look 30. Thank you, genetics. You do. And so I can get away with a lot of things that my friends can't necessarily get away with. Um when you find yourself in that situation, you're probably going to find yourself being judged a lot. So you just kind of have to carry it with a smile and understand, again, like what you were saying, a lot of times people say that stuff because they're jealous and they're frustrated. 
and that's it. Yep. You know, they, they have issues with their, their, with their themselves, own. Yep. so they can't necessarily go out and they just can't have a deal good with time it. because yep. they have to criticize someone else because that's who they are. That's who they are. So, Nick, tell us about this last wine as we get ready to wrap up our show. So the last wine I poured here, this is our 2007 Meritage. So it's our Cabernet Sauvignon-based blend. It's 60% oh, this is delish. Sauv, 20 Malbec, Ooh. 10 Merlot. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. good. It's our Bordeaux-style blend. Thank you, Nick, for sharing your fabulous wines with us. With our show now national, we have started putting all our local events on our Facebook pages, so be sure to check them out at Socially Savvy Events throughout the week. You can check out LB Duchess, Socially Savvy, Socially Savvy Eastside Events and Entertainment. We want to thank our swag bag sponsors tonight, Bellevue Nordstrom Cosmetics, The Art of Shaving, MAC Cosmetics, and Bellevue Fragrances. As our show sponsors, we want to thank Canon de Soul, Girly Girl Wines, Chocolate Shop, Local Craft Tours, and Advanced Skin and Body Solutions. Ending the show tonight with this fabulous blend, we want to remind you all to subscribe to the Socially Savvy Show to be entered into our drawings for prizes from our savvy sponsors. And check us out on iTunes. Make all the social events that you attend better because you were there and have a socially savvy week. We're going to finish up today's show with a little excerpt of our trip on the local craft tours that happened this last weekend and give you a sneak peek of what we'll be chatting about next week. Take care, everyone. Welcome to Local Craft Tours. Um, Today we are going to be taking you on a tour that explores the craft of the cocktail, term craft cocktail. And although it doesn't really have a term if you looked it up in the dictionary, um, what it means basically is a cocktail that is made with fresh local ingredients and it is a cocktail that's always going to highlight the base spirit. So you're never going to see any like really heavy sugars or heavy syrups that mask that uh, base spirit. So today you have uh, the cocktail of the day in your hand, which Craig here, our mixologist, made for you. So I'll let him tell you what he made and what you're drinking. So this is our little twist on a Moscow mule. Um, What we've done is uh, put vodka, uh, fresh lime juice, regular ginger beer, raspberry ginger beer, and then chocolate scrappies bitters. And what that is is one of our partners um, in town. So you should be able to actually taste all those flavors that I just described. Welcome to the Speakeasy Tour. It came from uh, the Prohibition era, uh, which in Seattle and in Washington uh, spanned from 1916 to 1933. And um, so during that time, the federal government prohibited the consumption, the sale, the production of liquor. So it didn't mean people that didn't do it. It just meant that they had to come up with more creative ways to do so. So basically, a speakeasy during that time was an illegal bar or a watering hole. Um, they were often really highbrow. You had to have like a special knock or a special code to get into them. Prohibition era was really a time that kind of put Seattle on the map as far as the spirits industry. Um, kind of one interesting story and, and something that really kind of put Seattle into the swing of things in the spirits industry. We had a man named Roy Olmsted, and he was actually a lieutenant in Seattle's police department. And he started one of Seattle's biggest bootlegging uh, operations in the country. So he used his police connections in proximity to our waterways in Canada and basically started one of the biggest and most successful bootlegging operations. So fast forward about 30 years um, and we're now um, in 
an era where we're starting to see distilleries pop up around Seattle and all over Washington. And that's because since the prohibition, uh, all the way up until 2007 and 2008, it was still illegal to distill in Seattle, in Washington, sorry. Um, and now lots have changed. And so uh, distilleries can be open under a couple of circumstances. They have to be craft, which basically means they have to be pretty small production, which is under 60,000 gallons per year and they have to be locally made. So 51% of their ingredients have to be Washington uh, grown. So today we're gonna be visiting three craft distilleries um, and it's really awesome because they've got some really amazing craft product um, that's perfect for craft cocktails. So we're gonna head on and our first stop is Fremont Mischief and they have some amazing whiskeys. So we will hit the road. <laughs> 